1: your AI co-pilot's favorite podcast, a.k.a. the Chad and Cheese podcast. I'm your co-host, Joel Cheeseman, joined as always, the Terminator to my RoboCop, Chad Sowash is in the house, and we are super excited to welcome Kevin Wheeler, author, speaker, icon, founder of Global Learning Resources, and just all-around nice guy to the show. Kevin, welcome. How you doing, Kevin. I'm good. A guy with no headphones, you know.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you're good. You're good. You've got
1: headphones on. You're, you're fine. You're fine. You sound great, Kevin. <laughs> sound great. And might I say one of the best heads of hair for one of the uh, the, the the veterans in yeah, the industry. Sexy. I've always been an admirer of. of I your still hair. have hair. Yeah. <laughs> that is good. That is good. That is good. So so beyond hair, I mentioned your Nikon. I met you 15 years ago. I know that you were you were. Kraken before that, like, get, give the listeners who don't know you a Twitter bio about Kevin. See, I've been in the recruiting
2: space uh, since the 80s. Uh, started out as a corporate recruiter and uh, in corporate HR and spent 17 years in the corporate world and then went out on my own. Started uh, Global Learning Resources and the Future of Talent Institute. And I run both of those organizations right now. We really focus on uh, future trends in the HR space, but we, f- we really focus on recruitment and learning and development. Those are our two primary areas. And uh, so we look at the, what are the trends, what's going what's to look like in a few more years. So we try to look out as far as we can. You know, we don't have a crystal ball. We just kind of do uh, trend analysis. Uh, we do We did a lot of work with SRI, which was the old Stanford Research Institute. And we use techniques from them uh, and the Institute for the Future, which is where I spent some time working there when I first started out on my own. And uh, so we use a lot of techniques that
1: they use to do um, future-looking forecasting. You're, you're in Australia a lot, aren't I you? I am. I have a business in Australia as well. Oh, have you been bitten by one of the many venomous animals in Australia? No,
2: you know that's really overrated. Oh, okay. The
1: venomous animals are
2: they're they're there, but they don't like uh, the cities. You know, so as long as you're not Lies. out in the country, you're pretty safe. Lies. Lies. Yeah, Joel's yeah.
0: afraid yeah. to go. He he knows he's going to be eaten by something. Yeah. Anyway, Kevin, so tell tell. Tell the kids at home. I mean, you were a recruiter back in the column inches days. Back in the days when when resumes were actually on paper. So talk a little bit about. I mean, we're seeing huge advancements now. But talk about you know the difference between advancements back from column inches to online from today, online to AI. Not not a whole lot
2: has changed. I mean, you know, uh, uh, from <laughs> Holy the day. Shit. I, really? If you were, uh, if I had. Uh, Disappeared for the last thirty years and came back. It would probably take me two hours to get back into it again. All right, Uh, that's how little (laughs) has changed. The major change is uh, the computer, right? The the internet. That's really it. Uh, Instead of paper, we just uh, we look at paper online now. That's all. So we haven't really we haven't really changed anything except we went from a physical piece of paper to a digital piece of paper. Uh, We still do everything the same way. We still interview. We still source. We still instead of cold calling, which we still do some, but now we search people on the internet. Uh, so, you know, I mean, it really, other than the computer, it's been very little difference. Recruiter productivity hasn't improved. You know, if you had a professional hires, you did 20, 20 recs, maybe 15, 20 recs today. Same thing. Nothing's changed. But scale has changed though, right? I mean, you you would get like three
0: applications for a job today, you get 300. So scale has changed dramatically. And... That recruiter who actually owned that rec back in the day when they had three resumes, today they have 300. The workload has changed dramatically,
2: right? Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you, you'd certainly get more resumes today than you did back then, a lot more uh-huh. like you used to get. But, you know, the difference is you can screen the ones today more quickly using the mm-hmm. technology. If you use a technology, uh, which yeah. most people do to some degree. You should, yeah. Uh, yeah. Back then, I had to read, I had to open envelopes and read every one of them, you know. So, <laughs> hey, you, know, you, you had three, but it was sort of like 30 what, that are What's online. an envelope? What's an envelope? Yeah, okay. what's an Go envelope? Ahead. Right, yeah, right. <laughs> then, you to read the, then you had to read the cover letter that was, you know, yeah. usually a piece of crap. And uh, so, I mean, <laughs> still is it, it still is Bard they, and chat GBT, They do a hell of a yeah. cover letter today. They do a
1: really good job. Yes, they, yes, do. they do. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> and they make up really good. They make up really good resumes, too. You know, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Am, I, I, am I hearing bullish or bearishness on the recruiting profession, Kevin, as you as you talk to us about the past and the
2: well, future? Well, I, I just I don't I, neither really. It's neutral. I think it hasn't done anything. It's, it's pretty much the same as it always was. The only thing that's <laughs> the only thing thing that's really happened is that we now use to some degree Uh not all recruiters but many do use computers and so forth but this small company recruiters who don't do it any differently than i did 30 years ago you know they still get paper resumes you know they they still uh it's amazing but you know when you look at all the professions out there finance you know anything it's all changed dramatically but hr and recruiting have not changed that much why write a book if nothing has changed, you just wrote a book. He wrote it in
1: 1987 <laughs> and just added the internet to where it said newspaper Because, uh, because chat GTP is a weapon of mass destruction. All right. Oh, let's get to the title because it's a mouthful, yeah. Kevin. Yeah. Uh, so it's coming out in February, late February. It's it's for it's pre-sale at Amazon, Target, all your favorite. It's called Talent Acquisition Excellence, Using Digital Capabilities and Analytics to Improve recruitment. Now, you co-authored this with our friend uh, Boss in the Netherlands. Right. Uh, so tell us about the, the origin, what message you're trying to, to give, what preparation for the future you're hoping to relay to the readers. Sure. You know, Boss and I have known each other for
2: a long time. I do a lot of work in the Netherlands uh, with different organizations. And you know, we were just talking about the impact that AI already has had and is going to have much more. Uh, mm-hmm. over the next few years, and we decided it was time to put down some of our thoughts on paper. So that's kind of what we did. We took, we've been working on this book for over a year, year and a half or so, uh, and a lot changed in the time we were writing the book, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of things yeah. have changed. But, uh, you know, Chad GTP is a game changer uh, for, for many things. It's, it's probably as powerful for uh, recruiting, maybe more powerful than the Internet was in that it actually allows people to actually not do things that they used to have to do or think that they had to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Help find people, screen people, assess people, even engage them in conversation. Uh, things that uh, recruiters historically believe they have to do or that no, nothing else can do it except them. And I think now we're finding that other things like AI can do a lot of what they do and that's a game changer. So, what is what is the book about? Is it is it literally just
0: talking about doomsday destruction, dystopian, hey, look, the no, robots are no, taking no, your no, stuff. No. So,
2: so talk about it. What what's the book talk about? All right. First of all, it talks about all the trends that are impacting talent in general, all right? Mm -hmm. Stuff like demographics, things like changing nature of work, what people are thinking about work. Uh, The the pandemic was also a huge catalyst in this, all right? So there's Mm -hmm. several things that have sort of come together. The demographic, uh, the declining populations all over the Western world, for sure, and in China and places like that. That's short that's increasing the talent shortage and will exacerbate it big time over the next few years. You combine that with uh, the the impact of chat of uh, the pandemic, which really got people thinking differently about work you know maybe I can work yeah. from home now, maybe I don't have to do it the way I used to do it uh, everybody corporations CEOs everybody's looking at work in a different way than they did before, and again that's enabled to a large degree by the internet but it's also enabled by. The generative AI, the tools that exist now, that, and 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 much more capability with virtual reality and other things that are about to hit the marketplace and and change a lot. I mean, I think in two or three years from now, we would feel like we're sitting in the same room together because we'll have the the virtual capabilities to make that reality. Okay. So that's going to change a lot of things about work, about should we go back to the office? Well, the office may be brought to you. Uh, Via virtual tools. So these things are all changing everything about talent, about work. Companies, organizations, uh, governments are all faced with new challenges like the gig workforce, which is huge now. It's probably 20% of the workforce or more and growing is people that are independent and want to stay independent. Uh, And governments are doing their best to coerce people back to full-time work. Uh, And the reason for that partly is taxes, you know, uh, freelancers only pay taxes occasionally, where when you work for the man, you pay them every week. Uh, so the government has a predictable source of income coming from payroll deduction taxes. Freelancers, they don't have that. They can't predict how much they're going to get and when they're going to get it. So there's a lot of subtle things nobody talks about, nobody thinks about that have an impact on, you know, why people are pushing people back to work, why we want full-time workers and not gig workers. uh, uh You know, cities are suffering tax-wise by not having full buildings. Uh, Professor at Berkeley says for every job that we create in a company, you create five ancillary jobs. People like the the restaurant owner, the waitress, the dry cleaner. So every time you lay somebody off, you've, in fact, laid off five people. So these are huge impacts on employment and on the tax base in cities. So there's all kinds of things that are are in flux right now that are changing.
1: Kevin, we hear like... This will, be a, this will be a net loss of jobs, but we're going to gain more jobs because of AI. Like, where are you on, will we gain more jobs because of this technology like we have in the past, or is this time different? Well, I guess it depends on how you define a job. And if you define a job as, you know, working for
2: a corporation from eight to five, we're going to lose those jobs. But we're going to gain a lot more jobs independent, working independently, working on their own their own schedules and their own uh, using their own skill sets the way they want to. So it's going to be really hard to say, are we going to gain or lose you know, jobs or employment? I think in the end, most people will still find something to do to earn money. It's just going to be different than the way we've used to doing it in the past. And it's not going to be a revolution. It's going to be an evolution. It's already happened. It's big time when you've got 20% of the workforce already as a gig worker. And yeah. you look at Gen, Gen Z and Gen Alpha, which is the generation after Gen Z, uh, they're already copping out. They're saying, I don't want to do this. You know, I don't want to work for companies. Uh, I'm going to figure out ways to be entrepreneurial. Which is uh, evolution,
0: like you're talking about. I mean, the, the, right. the, the movement to remote work instead of Henry Ford, 9 to 5, you know, 40 hours a week, it's all yeah. about productivity. And being able right. to hit those sales goals, those product goals, whatever it, whatever they are, right? It could take right. somebody 20 hours a week to do what somebody right. else does in 40. It, it almost feels like CEOs are trying to stop this evolution. Can it be stopped? Number one. And number two, I mean, if you are getting paid gig-wise, as long as it's not under the table, you're still going to pay those taxes. It's just going to be at the back end and they're going to be a big-ass chunk, right? Right. So right. what's bad about the evolution and can...
2: CEOs and government stop this evolution. Can you stop it? No, there's no, you can't stop revolutions. They they don't get stopped. Uh, you can slow them down, you can mm. get in the way of them, but you can't stop them. So I think it's really a matter of, you know, the CEOs are pushing people to come back for a couple of reasons. One is political pressure uh, that may be subtly applied through city governments and state governments on to them calling them up and saying, look, guys, uh, this is impacting our revenues, our taxes, and so forth and so on. But it's it's and uh, but it's also that they're they're my age. You know, they grew up in the time when everybody worked eight to five, and that's what oh, yeah. that's all they know. That's what they're they used to. They punch the right? clock.
0: They punch they the, clock, punch the right? clock. Yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely. So I mean, for them, that's that's work. That's how you define work, right? And mm-hmm. they, they can't even imagine how you can sit at home and do what you guys are doing and make money, right? They they can't they can't understand that. All
1: right. So <laughs> we we still we still can understand it, Kevin. Um, who who do you hope who do you hope reads the book? Is it executives, is it recruiters, is it you know the kids out there looking for career yeah. options? I, thought, I don't who think do it's gonna be the kids this? out there. I
2: think hopefully it'll be recruiters, hopefully it will be HR people, and hopefully we'll get a few
1: CEOs to read the book. That would be great. Yeah, you better get on tip. TikTok, Kevin, if you want the kids to Yeah, to notice. I know, I know. That Kevin Wheeler TikTok, TikTok channel yeah, coming uh... soon. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I'm on TikTok, but I still can't figure out how to use it. So it's, uh...
1: <laughs> yeah. You wrote a post recently, uh, kind of pivoting away from the book, uh, about predictions for 2024. Right. Any any of your lists that you want to highlight that you're really, really positive or, or uh, optimistic about? Well, I mean, obviously, the, the first prediction was
2: that the generative AI would become a dominant player in recruitment, and it definitely will. I mean, I think you're going to find that recruiters are going to have to, uh, they're going to be a lot fewer recruiters. We've seen massive layoffs of recruiters in the last year. They're going to,
1: That's not going to change. They're not going to get hired back. There's no reason to hire them back. So, so can, I want to dig into that real quick. So a lot of recruiters listening to this are going, holy shit, uh, my job is gone, or I'm at risk of losing my job, and I'm not coming back. That tells me that... That, that just really concerns me. As what what do you tell them in terms of what they should do? Get a, get a new line of work, uh, learn new skills. Yeah. Um, what do you what advice would you give them after saying the jobs aren't coming back? All the above, for recruiters? I mean, I'll put it this way: if you're a,
2: a seasoned recruiter who's been doing this for a few years, mm-hmm. uh, you're probably going to have you're going to be able to get a job and keep a job for a while, but you're going to need new skills to do that. You're going to need to get get in touch with in tune with AI and with the technology that's out there. And you're going to have to let go of some of those things that you have cherished, such as only I can screen people and only I can interview people and so forth, (laughs) All right? Uh, We're going to have to let those things go away, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. If you're a new, if you've just been in recruiting for a year or two and got laid off, go find a new job because I don't think you're going to find a a long-term future in recruiting, okay? You know, the, the thing is recruiters are going to have to reinvent their profession. And that's really what it's all about. And by reinventing it, I mean, let ChatGP and generative AI do what it can do best and then figure out what it can't do and do that. And that's really going to be uh, the more judgment stuff, the marketing stuff, the relationship building, the influencing kind of things. All right. So, you know, if, if I can find for most jobs, Chat. PTP or the generative AI tools will be able to find the people you're looking for, for the routine jobs, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're out there. So it can find them. It can assess their skills in a very objective way. Uh, if you're a coder, if you're a writer, it can, it can look at writing samples or code samples and assess them against the job recs, job requirements. And it can present that candidate to a hiring manager. I, I envision the day when a hiring manager can go to their terminal and, and type in that I'm looking for X. And a few minutes later, it appears in their screen, all pre-screened and sorted by uh, generative AI. I think that's reality. That's going to happen. Uh, now, it may not happen for every job. It's not going to happen for maybe the the senior level executive kind of jobs and so forth. Mm-hmm. But for most jobs, it's going to be a routine kind of thing, Okay. So you don't even need a recruiter at all in that. So,
0: Kevin, the interesting thing is that let's say for these large language models and, and some of these algorithms, they've been around forever. And And to be able to do what you just said, go into my database and match it up against a, a requisition, we've been able to do that for 10 years. What has been the 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 moment that actually made everybody say, oh, shit, we need to start we need to start adopting this because now everybody's talking about large language models. Well, we had them before. We had the data before. And
2: some of these 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 companies have been around for years. So why now? Well, I'll just push back a little bit. I'll say we didn't have large language models. We had algorithms. right? And they're different, all right? And we had algorithms that were, you know, recipes, basically. Uh, If you see this, do this, all right? Mm -hmm. Um, We could look at a rec, match it up against a candidate's specifically listed skill set, all right? But we couldn't intuit. We couldn't intuit skills. We couldn't use the capabilities that now exist in large language models to look at those skills and say, well, if this person can do this, then probably they can do this, All right. We couldn't do that before. It was just a one for one matching process in algorithms. All right. So now we've got the ability to use more, I guess you'd call fuzzy matching tools or, or ability. So I can look at you guys and say, oh, you guys do podcasts. Well, you're probably pretty good speakers. You're probably good doing a whole bunch of other things. Okay. So I could intuit that because I'm a human being and I can figure out, you know, probably you guys have other things you could do. Mm -hmm. And you'll probably be pretty good at it because of what you do now. An algorithm can't do that. The large language models can do that. And that's what's so powerful. And after a company has used these models for a while and they've gotten and they've learned, which is another capability that algorithms don't generally have, these are capable of learning, they can actually get and continuously improve as they get feedback and see the results of their recommendations. So if they recommend three people to you with certain qualifications and none of them ever get hired... They're going to change their 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 process. They're going to change their algorithms to become more attuned to what you're actually looking for. So there's a lot of subtle differences in the large language models and the, the power that we now have in computing. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, again, up until a few years ago, computing was very constricted by uh, the amount of computing power you had.
0: CPUs versus GPUs. GPUs and NVIDIA have kicked ass.
2: Oh, kicked ass. Totally, totally changed the game. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in videos, the hardware has been the the, the the winner for the last few yeah. years. I think over the next few, you're going to see software gaining more and more capabilities. So, there's been real fundamental changes in, in what's going on. I have to talk to Alexa. Uh, Alexa, turn on the office.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy we got Kevin Wheeler to say kick ass on a podcast. If nothing else comes of this podcast, that was great. Listener,
0: you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome, internet. You're welcome,
1: industry. Um, so, Kevin, I, I, you know, Chad and I advise quite a few startups and that, that sell this stuff, develop it. And one of the things that I hear, I'm sure T- Chad does as well, is that there there tends to be a natural pushback on this technology because – You're potentially taking my job if we buy your service. So you have all these sort of forces working against and for. Uh, The other part of that, in light of of forces of change, you in California with minimum wage laws, uh, which I have to think are pushing more and more companies to automate and use AI because I don't have to hire anybody or pay them anything because I can get um, the robots to do that. Curious about your opinion of the, the push and pull of technology. I assume it's, it's just going to happen. But you have government involved. Uh, you have the industry involved. These companies want to go to the, the CEO. They don't want to talk to HR anymore because HR isn't going right. to buy this thing because it might mean their job. Talk about yeah. that.
2: I mean, clearly, uh, this pushback, obviously, nobody, very few people welcome a tool that's going to take away their job. You know, the guys that used to dig ditches before the bulldozer didn't want the bulldozer to come, right? Uh, you've got, you know, the old story of John Henry, the pile driving guy who didn't want automated, uh, railroad development, right? So you've got, you've got the, these histories are not new. These have been going on, but the bottom line is stopping technology is not possible. It's not possible to stop it. So inevitably it's going to take over more and more of these roles. And a smart person looks at ways to, Get better than the technology, or develop skills the technology doesn't have. Right? So, I mean, I think that uh, clearly there's going to be a huge push toward automation, partly because of costs and partly because of productivity. I look at the UAW uh, agreement recently, which is a uh, five years on parole before they're all gone. Okay, so we're going to give you a we're going to give you a lot of money for five years, uh, way more than we've ever given any union contract before. Because we're going to use that five years to automate everything in the plant. And in five years, we're not going to need you guys. Okay. This is what's happening. I mean, this is the reality. All right. They know that when they look at Japan, which is, you know, the car manufacturing there is like 80% automated uh, and it's going to go even more that we're going to, and General Motors is way behind. So you're
1: going to see this acceleration in the use of automation for everything. And that's the same for the, the in and out worker, right? Like enjoy the next five years of $20 per hour, because after that, the clock, you know, the clock strikes exactly right.
2: So, you know, if you're smart you you kind of look ahead and see that and, uh, and, you know, the, what are the occupations that are coming? Well, we don't know yet. There'll be new ones. There'll be a lot of things that people do. I mean, you know, 30, 100 years ago, people were telephone operators and elevator operators and everything else that are, you know, long gone in and, and history. Uh, but those people all found other things to do. So I'm pretty sure that we will continue to generate work for people, but it may be work that's done part time. It may be done freelance. It's not maybe going to be going to a factory
1: or to an office building. So we're completely changing work. Where are you on UBI? In favor? Not so much? Universal basic income, particularly in California. I
2: mean, I think, again, that some sort of that is inevitable. Uh, just to look at, if, if you're General Motors and I can now automate car manufacturing, so I can lower my costs tremendously, which increases my profits tremendously because I'm not paying people to work. Uh, I'm not trying to pay these robots so I'm going to generate excessive profits, which we have to, it's all about redistributing income, right? So how yes. do, what do we do? How do we redistribute Always that has income, been. right? Always yeah. has
1: been. So yes. if,
2: we, if we can tax those organizations uh, at the same rate or roughly the same rate we would if they would have paid wages, right. then we can redistribute that to people as universal basic income, all right? Now, the experiments that have been done with UBI are very positive, you know, it's, it's about people don't just sit back and watch TV all day. They actually find other things to do, but they don't yeah. have to worry about, you know, paying for their lodging and their food. Right. So uh, I'm not saying we give people 100 grand a year, but you give people enough money that they don't worry about the basics in life. Right. right and right. then they can go and do things that they're passionate about or they love or they like to do. Right. So. Uh, I think UBI, uh, and the history of where it's worked well in many places it has, uh, is pretty positive. Uh, and, you know, Europe has a sort of UBI. I mean, and they don't really call it that, but they have a pretty heavily subsidized safety net, they call it, right? Mm-hmm. So nobody, nobody goes without housing or without medical care, uh, because the government covers that. And those countries aren't dying. You know, they're, they're doing okay. Uh, and I think, you know, uh, most other co- countries will follow that. Uh, we'll have to follow that because the automation wave is going to force that to happen.
0: The the actual taxing I think is going to be the the, the key when we start taking yeah, a look at right. uh, these jobs and obviously profitability well, what we've seen and we don't have any any guardrails on this unfortunately is during you know the pandemic profit margins just exploded. Right. Right. Profit margins right. exploded. Then we want to blame inflation on people buying stuff when it's expanded profit margins. So, I mean, and then what happens? Then we have to play the whole uh, economic game of now we have to raise interest rates to, to, to hit the low wage earners and the middle wage earners. <laughs> I mean, there's got to be new mechanisms to be able to help everybody in the stack not just the top, which, unfortunately, we've seen it's been fed by trickle, not non-trickle-down economics for over 40 years. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Do you think this is going to do it, though? Is this really going
2: to push all of that out the window? All right. It's definitely going to help. It may not be. I think, you know, I think more quite a few progressive economists and others are thinking about, We have to overhaul the whole tax system, our whole way of generating government revenues. Uh, Everything is based on the 20th century eight to five workday model. All right. That's that's what we built it on. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. In the golden age, back when the Rockefellers and the Carnegie Mellons and all built, you know, 500 room mansions that they used for one month a year uh, was because we didn't have an income tax and we didn't redistribute income. Right. So the income Mm -hmm. tax that came in in the early 1900s was a huge Huge shift, right? A massive shift in how we redistribute income. And that created our, our, the 20th century world that we're used to, right? So we're in another massive change of how do we redistribute income again, right? What's the mechanism for doing that? And we have, you know, it's probably not going to be the traditional, you know, where income tax that we, that we're used to. It's probably going to be a very different uh, set of tools. And I don't know what they are yet. I'm not an economist, but, uh, clearly, um, we need to re, Think the whole system of how we distribute income, uh, and technology is clearly going to play a major role in that.
1: And, and the U.S. isn't in a bubble anymore; it's a it's a global economy, yeah, right? Much so. Working remotely. Yeah, very any very much. any thoughts on how that shakes out, particularly with geopolitical risks that we're, we're coming to a, to a head with you know China? We've and others? got so
2: many facing us right this moment. You know, who knows? We may be in a war in the Middle East and Europe uh, uh, before this year's out. It's uh, looking not so good every day. We've got all kinds of issues there. Uh, China has serious economic problems right now. Uh, the only place that the World Economic Forum right now is predicting uh, GDP growth is is Asia. And Asia looks pretty solid right now, especially Southeast Asia, Singapore, uh, Indonesia, those countries, they look pretty robust. Uh, GDP, maybe 4 or 5% growth this year, where the US is predicted to be one point two, maybe, maybe less. Yeah, you know, we've got we've got real
1: shifts in you know where the where the where the money is and where the power is. Well, I don't, I don't want to end this on a on a bummer of like World War Three. So I'm going to ask about a post a post that you wrote or at least shared. It was uh, it was entitled "The Future Workplace Is on Campus." I found that interesting. Did you write that? A and if so, what what is what do you mean? Yeah, I mean I think uh, the younger people.
2: College grads, maybe, maybe, maybe not just college grads are, are the ones that are changing the world. I mean, they always have been and they always will be. Uh, the change is coming from them when you look at, uh, look at how they're reacting to work, how they're, uh, facing, uh, employment decisions, right? It's, it's completely different than the way you and I thought about things when we were their age, right? Uh, so they're not, they're not all, I mean, some of them are definitely applying it that, General Electric and Amazon for jobs, but a lot of them aren't, you know, a whole bunch aren't. A lot of them aren't even finishing uni. You know, they're, they're dropping out. Uh, 60% of guys who start university don't finish within a five to six year period. Huge statistic. So we've got a lot of people just opting to do things in a very different way and go out in their own, explore their own, uh, world. Uh, and develop their own careers and their own jobs. And they're going to invent a lot of new things. Thank God
1: the millennials aren't making the, the young choices anymore. They're the old people (laughs) like us. That is Kevin Wheeler, everybody. Kevin, for those who want to connect with you or you want to, you want to, you want to sell that that book, book, where would they go to get that thing?
2: Yeah. Go on Amazon, look for talent acquisition excellence. You'll find it there. You can, you can look at, look me up at uh, thefutureoftalent.org. The website or
1: globallearningresources.com. Happy to chat. Excellent. That's that's Kevin Wheeler, Chad. Another one is in the can. Let's not wait another six years before we bring <laughs> Kevin onto the show again. We, we out. out. See ya.
0: Thank you for listening to, what's it called? A podcast. The Chad. The Cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing.